I'm not afraid, but the fear is always going to be there because I'm living with that fear of what if, if we live in that fear, we can just drive ourselves crazy. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. Are you sure? Are you sure you are? <laughs> no, I really am. This is actually it doesn't sound like you. This is the way. This is the voice I've got today. Um, wow. I lost it a couple of days ago with a. Bit we of, need to find it. Bit of a cold. I know. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to sound cool, actually. Yeah. Not working, is it? Oh no. But I love you. Well, you know, anyway. <laughs> it, thank you because in some ways it's a little bit of a trial. Yeah. But I want to tell you right now, it's nothing compared to what you're going to hear from our guest today. And we're to count all these trials as what? As joy. joy. And that's what we're going to learn about yeah. how surrendering to God in the midst of crazy trials can be actually viewed as God's gift and can bring about incredible results. It almost sounds laughable when I say it, but wait yeah. till you hear how you could learn really to talk with God in sincerity and honesty when you're going through the trial. Right. And not just um, talk to God. You're going to learn how to ask for help yeah. when you're in trial. Sometimes we just don't ask for help. Well, and then just really how to immerse yourself within a context that allows God to speak with you. I mean, it's fascinating. She came up with what we're calling the blue tape box therapy. Hang on for the ride on that one. That's very good and very practical. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And also you're going to learn practical ways that you can care for yourself when dealing with someone else who needs cared for as well. So today's guest is Carol Latham, and she's a gifted speaker, teacher, storyteller, and encourager. Carol has been speaking at women's retreats, retreats and teaching Bible studies for over 30 years. Carol was a commercial actress in Hollywood for 15 years. So if she looks familiar, that's why. Um, she has been married to her husband, Bill, a retired pastor for 46 years, and they live in Bakersfield, California. They have two children and seven grandchildren, and Carol is passionate about sharing her story with those God puts in her life. She sure is. She loves spending time at the beach, especially Maui, and never tires of visiting Disneyland. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome, Carol Letham, to your biggest breakthrough. It's so good to see you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, we we are uh, really anxious to get into this because uh, you sent us a copy of your book and just love this. It's called, uh, Are You Ready to Find Joy When Life Gets Messy? And so I, you know, paging through reading some of the sections and uh, listen, I want us to just get right to the core of the issue here. Now we're going to unpack your story because you've had some breakthroughs along the way of your story and your journey, but you've got a chapter in your chapter seven. I love that number for this yeah, right? title, but here's the, here's the title of the chapter, God's gift to us in the trials. So it hit me. I'm thinking, wait, hold on. How many of us really view trials as a gift? So Carol, what are you talking about? How can this be God's gift? Well, I would say that until seven years ago, I was exactly like you. I never thought of trials and gifts in the same sentence. I would have never thought that a gift, a trial could be a gift. And yet when this whole story, which we're going to unpack began the morning after just 
sort of at the launching point of it. I was sitting and reading. I opened my scripture to where I was reading at the time and the scripture James 1 came up and it was where I was supposed to read. So I just start reading and I'm reading, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. And all of a sudden I slammed my Bible shut and I said, really God, really, this is your idea. I'm looking for help. I'm looking for comfort. And you're telling me to consider this a trial this trial a joy. And so I sat there for a few minutes thinking about it. And I thought, you know, it doesn't say if it says when, and then I love the message paraphrase and I have a Bible that has parallels. So I was reading on both uh, the new international and the message, open it back up. And if you drop down to verse four, it says, and your faith life will be on display for all to see. And all of a sudden I realized I had been prepared for what I was facing. I was terrified. That didn't go away. But all of a sudden, I was like, okay, God, you've got a plan and you're going to use this chaos. You're going to use this mess. And people are going to watch me walk through it very, very much in the public eye. And I'm going to give you the glory. And for seven years, that's what's been happening. Wow. Wow, wow Carol. Well, your mess is going to be somebody else's. Um, I mean, it's your message now too, but it's going to be someone else's uh, inspiration and hope because let's unpack your uh, the mess that you felt like you were really in. And as a pastor's wife, and of course, your husband, the pastor, um, well, yeah, I mean, let, I, the first thing people would think is like, well, pastor's wife, she's got all the answers, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's got to be a cakewalk for her. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but let's unpack that. And and the fact that you're you're really needing and desiring to be uh, transparent in this time, because for um, just a pastor, pastoral family, it's it's tough to share uh, messy with others, right? Let's talk about the mess that you found yourself in and how it's un- unraveled since then. So in 2016, my life just totally fell apart. Like I lost my identity as a pastor's wife, as a wife, pretty much as a mother, pretty much everything, because it was right before our 40th wedding anniversary. My husband and I had been in ministry in California for many, many years, uh, more than 30. I'd been speaking, teaching, traveling, all of this. And one morning I found myself with a husband who was in full-blown depression, um, been calling help centers, con- you know, he w- couldn't find help. He couldn't find relief. His anxiety had spawned this like depression. And then one morning I woke up and I had a husband, he didn't want to live anymore. And he was suicidal. He made a call to a hotline and I don't know what he said because the only time I was not in the room with him when it had happened. And the next thing I know, I've got this militant person on the phone telling me, tell me where you are. We're sending the police in an ambulance. And then I finally talked them down. I mean, it was like I was in a, mm. watching a movie at that moment. It was, uh, this was actually in the evening and it was later in the evening. And I said, okay, just calm down. Everybody calm down. And my husband is standing there. I'm standing there. My daughter-in-law is pregnant, about to have a baby at any moment. And I said, look, just tell me where to bring him. And I ended up having to take him to a um, high security psychiatric, uh, psychiatric hospital emergency room in the LA area. And within about four hours of just evaluation, they couldn't talk him off the ledge. And in California, they have this uh, code called the 5150. And we had always heard, I'd always heard this, you know, as, as a human, you hear it in the past. Oh, this person was in the 5150. But what it means is that 
the person has been deemed a harm to themselves and others. And you are literally, they're literally like taking to psychiatric jail. You don't know where they are. You don't know what they're doing to them. And I left my, I got actually ushered out of the emergency room at one o'clock in the morning by an armed guard. They said, don't come back. Don't call. We'll be in touch. And as the door slammed behind me, Uh. I'm standing there in the parking lot saying, God, what just happened? Mm. <laughs> you know, and and really, what do you do in that moment? Yeah, Carol, let me let me just ask you because this seems like it just almost came out of nowhere. But were there some initial telltale signs that your yeah. husband was, was showing, or yeah, something that because it seems like it happened so quickly? But were either of you aware that it was leading up to this this suicidal depression? No. Um, I use a quote. It's actually the first quote in chapter one of my book. It's by Kierkegaard. And it says, you know, life, um, life is understood backwards, but we must live forwards. And so standing on this side of it, I can look back and I can go, oh, that's what that was. Oh, that's what that was. But the it's a de- the depression was driven by an anxiety and the anxiety just continued to cycle and get worse and worse and worse. But I wasn't really aware of it. And we had been married for 40 years. I had never really seen the signs of the depression, but it was almost like the anxiety got to a point where the depression just took on so quickly and overnight it became the suicidal. Well, and the, and the chemical imbalance that, that causes, right? And and the accumulation of those feelings over time can cause a breakdown in the body as well in the mind. I guess I'm I'm just uh, sort of alert to the fact that anxiety can lead to depression. I mean, I, it's all I, part of it, kind of with fear, yeah. and anxiety, and yeah. So I mean, I think that's a real that's that's an important warning sign for anyone listening that if you are feeling overly anxious on a consistent basis. What do they do about that? So it doesn't end up where your husband ended up. They have to get help. And, and unfortunately for us, we didn't, I didn't know what I was dealing with. And because it was it, once the anxiety took over, I, you know, you try to do it on your own. And then of course, there's the problem of being the pastor. We don't want, we, we feel the pressure of, oh, we can't let other people see what, you know, what we're dealing with. And so who do you talk to? And, and so, yes, if you if the anxiety was for us, the launching point, sometimes it goes straight from the depression to the suicidal. And, and so, um, you know, you hear so often lately anyway, of, of hearing about pastors committing suicide, right? The pressure has been too much. And so I feel like your message is really timely because there, it has been a silent cry. I, I believe in pastoral families. And so I'm, I'm so grateful for your courage and your boldness to, to talk on this topic. So what would you say to someone that's listening that maybe, maybe they're not even in pastoral roles, maybe they are, but maybe they're also another high level or, or, you know, something uh, with their career and they can't really share with other people. Where do they go? How do they get out of this uh, situation and how can they get help? What's the first thing that they do? Well, for me, the relationship with God, that foundational relationship with God, um, if you if you don't have that walking into it, I don't I don't know how I would have handled it had I not had that, because I will tell you, looking back, I can see where God put things in place in my life so that when I got to this point, 
my best friend of 20 years, I knew she was a nurse, a retired nurse. What I didn't know, she was a retired psychiatric nurse because we never talked about it. And, you know, and then my other really, really close friend was a pharmacist. And so I had help with medication. I think the most important um, thing that you need to do is open your mouth and ask for help, whether you are this person struggling or whether you're the person caring for them. Um, it's really hard because we want to just go into isolation and especially the person who's struggling and isolation is the worst thing you can do. It is the worst thing. And for me, I had to ask four five, six, seven people. I couldn't find a therapist that could help me. I had a therapist after our second session say, I got nothing. I, I don't know what to tell you. And I don't want to keep taking your money. And, mm, and as I'm walking out, I'm like, wow. how can they have nothing? <laughs> wow. Carol, take us, take us back to the parking lot uh, that night of the incident, because I'm just curious there. You, you were sitting there in the parking lot, like completely like blindsided with something really that happy? just, yeah, it seems so surreal to you. How did you collect yourself and where did you go from there? Well, I, I was, I have the type of relationship with God where I just talk out loud to him all the time. And, and so I remember the first thing I thought is I turned around and I looked at the doors and even now, as I'm telling you this story, every time I tell this story, it's like these emotions come back because I was standing there in the parking lot going, really, they just kicked me out. And I turned around and I looked at the doors and they're locked. I can't get back in. My car's in the parking lot. It's one o'clock in the morning. And I looked up and I just started yelling at God in the parking lot. And I'm like, where are you? What is going on? What has happened to my life? Who do I call? And I mean, I'm just screaming at him, all of these questions. And then I just started walking to my car. And as I walked to my car, I put the key in the ignition and I had about a 45 minute drive back to where I had to go, um, my son's house. And I turned on the radio because I didn't want to be in the car by myself. And this song came on the radio that's called Even If. And, and it was very popular at the time. And this song came on. And I don't know that I ever really heard that song before. But all of a sudden, I started listening to the words. And I just began to hear God just sort of gently calm my soul and, and just tell me, you have to trust me. And I do have to say that there's a story in the book where about five weeks before this, God had given me a vision of being in trouble and mm. that things were going to get worse. And I really didn't know what that meant, but I had been at a retreat and it was early in the morning and I was sitting in a room by myself having coffee. And God came to me in this moment where I was praying and just said, um, this vision, I was remembering the story of Elijah and he had just all the prophets of Baal and I'm, he's laying on the floor and he's in a full-blown depression, you know, and this angel comes and says, God wants to talk to you. And so I'm watching this movie unfold in my mind. This is like five weeks before this. And I'm on the top of a mountain in San Bernardino at a retreat and it's five o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden, the angel takes him, puts him in the crevice of the rock and says, God's going to talk to you. God's going to pass by. Now, this is not scripturally correct to what the story is, but this is how God unfolded in my life. And the angel says, and then all of a sudden, I heard the angel say, now, Carol, God is with you. 
and God is not in the earthquake and God is not in the tornado and God is not in the storm. He's in the gentle whisper of a breeze and he wants you to know that he sees you. And about that moment, I did not know the window next to me was open and this breeze came through. So when I'm standing in that parking lot that night, I had to go back to that moment and I had to say, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm sobbing. I probably cried the whole way home, but I really, I turned the music up so loud that it was just like pulsing (laughs) and just song after song, even if, oh my soul, there's three or four other ones. And so the next morning I created a playlist in my phone of all of these songs that I had heard the night before. And I called it when life gets scary playlist. And I just, there are times that's all I can do is just you know, turn. That's, that's just so yeah. encouraging. Uh, I have to just yeah. step in. Cause Carol, you have no idea what Todd has done for the last 42 years, but, yeah. and I'm just going to share yeah, this, yeah, but yeah. anyway, he's, he's worked with Christian radio stations around the world. And so the power of, of radio, you know, and, and the right song at the right time. And we were just talking about that this morning. So for yeah. you to confirm that is beautiful and how God is so gentle and yeah. so sweet that he would give you the vision of all this beforehand. So you, he could prepare your heart. And I get to share your story as another testimony of God using Christian radio and Christian music. And it goes even further than that, because a lot of the times over the next few years, some of the most painful times would happen while I was in the car and I would be focusing on the pain. And then the radio was always playing behind the surf. And, and one of these songs from my, when life gets scary playlist would, especially one of the top five that really meant something to me would come on and I would go, okay, you see me. And it was like, that was just God's <laughs> message to me. I, okay. Even if, oh my soul, this is great. Well, tell us, um, I mean, my mind immediately jumps to, to your husband, like, where is he? How's he doing? What's going on right now? You know, he's doing, he's doing really well right now. He's, he's on his medication and um, we have retired completely a year before this whole thing happened. God had orchestrated us, him retiring and as he'd actually retired before this happened, not officially, but then um, we moved in with our daughter. We have a little two bedroom apartment attached to her house. So I was right where we needed to be when this all crashed. Um, our son is a pastor. He's about an hour and a half north of us with his kids. So we're surrounded by family. We're surrounded by friends. Um, he, uh, you know, so he's, you know, we're, we're kind of in a really great stable position right now. Uh, and so we rest. I rest in that when, when you get there, that's what you do. You just kind of go, okay, this is good. And so, um, but it took a long time to get here. Yeah, you have to be you have to be patient. Yeah. Oh my yeah. six years. Yeah. So, so I've picked up on several things as you've been sharing your story here because I know we've got listeners who are in some really tough times right now. They're just going through some trials and pain. And, but I but I've heard you say, and you know, if if you're gonna be real with God, it's okay. You can shout out like what is going on. So one of the first things is you you immediately started to talk to God about the problem. Because it'd be easy to talk to somebody else, try to get their answers. But talking to God first, I think, is a real top priority. And another thing I heard you mention is just, you know, you've got to go, you've got to go looking for help uh, where God provides help. And if you can't get it here, go to the next one. Go to, you went through like six different, six or seven different contacts before you were starting to get some answers. So I want to encourage people, persevere. If persevere, you didn't get the answers right. you're looking for on the first go around, keep going. 
And then I also heard you mention just putting yourself within a context where God can speak to you. And for you, that car became a sanctuary and listening to Christian music. So just some great encouragement and practical advice. But I want to ask you another question that everybody struggles with. And that is, it sounds like you were continually surrendering. You weren't trying to fix it all yourself because you didn't have the ability to. So many listeners right now, they're in a situation, they're trying to fix it themselves. How does one go about surrendering? What, where does that come from? What, what do you do? How do you, I mean, what is surrender? Okay. So the first thing I want to, I want all of your listeners to hear me say is it's not easy. I don't want anyone to ever hear me say it's easy. Um, there are days when I'm on the carpet back here before, behind me on the floor, just screaming and crying. And sometimes I'm laying down there napping with the music blasting. It's not easy. But what you have to do is you have to be proactive. And so I couldn't find practical help. So what do you do when you're in this moment where you have to um, figure out what to do because he's angry or he's, you know, that's that part of his personality is coming out because his came out in control and anger towards me. And so there was one afternoon where I was in the garage and I was just mad. I was like, I don't deserve this. I didn't sign up for this because let's be honest, when we're in that, the middle of a crisis, sometimes those are the thoughts that come to our mind. Sign up for this. I don't, I don't deserve this. You know, God, what the and yet in sickness and you know? in health. Yeah, we uh, know. yeah. Yeah. And I looked over on the work. My son-in-law has a workbench and I saw this blue roll of tape and I just marked, I was mad and I just marked out, took the tape measure and I marked off a three foot by three foot box on the floor of the garage. Like, and then I taped it out and I stood there in the garage and I looked up and I said, okay, God, do you see this box? Do you see this box? I'm going to step into this box because this is all I can handle right now. And, and while I'm in this box, you are in control of everything else. And I literally stepped into the box. Wow. And I'm standing in this garage and I'm standing in this box and I'm sobbing and I'm crying. And all of a sudden I heard God just very clearly, the Holy Spirit just very clearly said to me, it's about time. You cannot do this. It's for me. You have to let it go because you can't fix it. You can't keep it from happening. You have to love him and let me take care of it. Wow, I'm gonna call that Carol. That's your blue tape box therapy. That's a whole book right there. That's one of the practical, and that's one of many practical things that God has given me Hmm. to do over the last five or six years. I will say just the (laughs) the fact that you took action and did something that maybe not didn't make a lot of sense. I'm going to take this tape and I'm going to make a box. I'm going to stand in it. You know what? That those are the kind of things that that causes. Um, God to uh, not doesn't doesn't cause God, but you know what I'm saying like God will respond. It like opens a door for a response, and yeah. and we're taking action. Yeah. And so would you look at it, her? She's yeah. testing me on this. Okay, Carol, <laughs> <laughs> here you go. <laughs> but anyway, it's beautiful. So. I think he just knows I'm a, he just knows that I'm pretty emotional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's good, it's good. But I want to know how how do you take care of your health? Because I know if if we're not healthy, we can't fully care for others really well. And um, so how do you maintain a healthy mindset and, and keep your spirit healthy and well and your physical uh, ability well and, and keep your emotions stable? How do you handle all that? It's funny because I, I, had, I had a speaking and teaching ministry prior to this in California. I did a lot of conferences and retreats and Bible studies in my church. And I had two scheduled 
Um, he got out of the hospital in November and I had two scheduled one in December, one in 2022. And yeah, no, no. Right after he got out of the hospital in 2016. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. And in November of 2016. And then I had an, an event scheduled in January of 2017, which was just like six weeks later. Hmm. And my friend called me and she said, you're thinking of canceling, aren't you? And I said, yes, I can't. I can't go. And she said, no, you're not, you're not canceling. You have to continue in the ministry. And I don't even know if that event planner even knew what was going on in my life. Cause that wasn't the topic of what we were doing, but my friend came and she sat on the front row and she said, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to cry. So one thing is you have to just keep making plans. You have to keep living. You have to set goals. You can't just crawl into bed and pull the covers over your yeah, head, which is what most people want to do, right? Hopefully it'll go away. So I think that we have to focus on four different things. And the four different things are the mental, the, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. And so for my mental, I found a therapist immediately. I found, well, it took a while because the first, I got fired. I got fired from the first or four that I tried to find, but I did eventually find one. And this man um, was a friend, a longtime pastor friend who had become a counselor. And so mm-hmm. I would check in with him constantly. Uh, during the early days. And he would just help me. Um, and he would say, okay. And he, he would just say, well, here's my book of Carol. I'm like, you have a book. And he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, your life is a lot right now, but he would just remind me, okay, we've been here before. And this is, so you have to find a good therapist. And then I had a friend who would fly in from Colorado every six or eight weeks and, and get a car and drive over the hill and take me to dinner just so that she could put eyes on me to make sure I was doing okay. Wow. We all need friends like that. Yeah, yeah. So that was helpful. But then there's practical things. Like I had, at first I was not paying attention to what I eat and I've always been very healthy. I've always exercised. I've always gone to the gym, but for about two years, I didn't do that. And it takes a toll on your body. And so I actually, um, two years into the process, didn't just go back to the gym, but I started going to a, a really intense um, gym, (laughs) just started working out. And all of a sudden, you know, I could barely lift 10 pounds when I started. And now I can deadlift 150 pounds. And I'm like, okay, you know, we're good. But it's like things like that, that are practical, but you put in the reps, you do the work. That's yes. You have to just do the work and eating and eating right and sleeping right. Fine, Carol, too, that once you get started, because it seems like we're almost immobilized. We're like, we're paralyzed when it seems like the trial is so unbearable. Like, I don't know what to do. And you're saying, start taking some steps, even if they're baby steps and you'll build momentum. That's what I'm hearing. Like you started to create some momentum because you're willing to take some of those first steps. Yeah. And it started with, it started with one morning I was standing there waiting for my coffee to come through the Keurig and, and God's like, you know, Carol, you love coffee and you have all of this like fancy pour over stuff up in the cupboard and you're just rushing through life. And he's like, it's time for you to slow down. And so I, I pulled it all out. And so now really everyone, every day I go through this motion of brewing my coffee and it's like, I wake up and God, and I start this whole process every day with brewing the coffee and boiling the water and going through the, the, just going through the steps of it, because some of it is repetition. 
Some of it is just doing the same thing over and over and over again and, and, and remembering, okay, this is where God and I start having that conversation for the day. It's real easy when things are going good to just kind of walk away from that. But I try to keep it up even when we're having a good day, because I know that there's going to be another hard day is coming. And then I think one of the most important things that I've learned that has helped me take care of myself is I have on a sticky note in my window here, it says, you can live with fear, but not live in fear. I saw that in your book. And I love that quote. That's what I do every day. I'm not afraid, but the fear is always going to be there because I'm living with that fear of what if, what if he relapses? What if this comes back? What if this, what if this, what if the medication stops working, which it does. If we live in that fear, we can just drive ourselves crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I wanted to ask, because I didn't, specifically ask. And if you don't want to share, that's okay. But I'm curious what the actual label diagnosis was that they. Um, oh, I'm happy to share. Yeah. Um, he has major depressive disorder and he has generalized anxiety disorder okay. and then um, borderline obsessive. Yeah. I think it's so important the way you have shared the practical things that we can do to keep motoring through this thing, because it's not like you can snap your fingers, even though we all like to, we'd like God to snap his fingers, take it all away. God, just do that. and Everything will be fine. But we would miss so many opportunities to grow in so many different areas, right? And get closer to him. And you've really displayed for us just a, uh, a stick to it activity, the willingness to just keep going. And I was just thinking, you know, in your bio here, uh, we we talked about the fact that you're, you're an actress in Hollywood for 15 years. (laughs) Yes, I did. Well, she had a leg up on all of us because the show must go on. I think that's my general personality because there's a whole other side of my story growing up with an abusive narcissistic father and the whole dynamics of that life. So wait, wait, wait a minute. I, I, I mean, I got to stop you right there. You know. Just, just for a little bit, because um, people would assume the reason you've come through what you've come through uh, as as brilliantly as you have is because you were just a little Sunday school girl who had it all together from the very true. beginning. You've been through trauma. Oh gosh. Yes. I have been through trauma. So, so it's not yes. like you were some superhero coming into this deal. No. I mean, you have had your share of challenges for way back from the beginning. Right. I met, I met God. I met God at the age of 16 and my life was a total different mess at that point. And I was headed in one specific weird direction. And I do tell that story in the book of how I met God. Um, And at 16, I just heard God speak so clearly to me in a church service one night. And I thought I was a Christian. I thought I was a believer. I'd been baptized. I was really still involved in church, but I realized I didn't have that personal relationship with God And that day started this relationship where I really started to make, to realize that God had a plan for my life. And it wasn't the plan that I thought, which was a terrible plan, although I still do argue with him a little bit, you know, about why did I have to go through all this. But I think that when you have that foundation of chaos and then you meet him and you realize that he loves you just the way you are. And that I didn't have to change for him. I didn't have to do anything other than just say, okay, I'm going to trust you. There's this whole backstory to, I think, how God just knew at this point in my life. Um, And I had struggled with God in my teaching ministry up to this point about being how transparent should I be? And then when this whole thing, God 
came, God said, there's this veil of secrecy around mental illness. Mm. And mental illness is an umbrella for a whole bunch of different things. Well, look at the world today, Carol. Look what's going on. And he said, nobody's going to talk about it. And I know you will. So you're going to be, you're just going to go out there and start those conversations. And, And I'll tell you, there are, there are people who are go, we're not touching your book. I've had two or three um, big time, you know, I've reached out to two or three, actually, actually I had my book sent to somebody, a big organization that could have really used this story in a real positive way. And they're like, no, we're not touching that. We're not going to touch that. <laughs> I have the email to say, we're not touching that. Why do you think that? Do you think that's because there's too much of a risk of embarrassment to the church, so to speak, you know, because of somebody struggling at that, because we're not supposed to struggle like that if we're Christians, right? <laughs> so, so some would just think like, well, what? it's the stigma with it all, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the stigma. There's this stigma. There's this veil of secrecy. We, we want it to exist, but we don't want to deal with it. And my husband wrote the foreword. He knows everything I say. Um, he read the manuscript. Had he not given me his seal of approval, I would have never done it. And he basically said, you know, we, and it was a hard, um, it was a hard decision for him to, to let me be so transparent. Um, it was hard for me to be this transparent because I've had, we've had people, friends, family, church members, you know, that just turn around and walk away because it's too messy. It's too hard. We don't know what to say. I mean, it's like talking about pornography in the church or, I mean, all the tough stuff, right? But that's where exactly we need to talk about it. So people can have the opportunity to get healed. And so that's what you're doing, Carol. And I'm so grateful that we you are. and your husband are. We're, are yeah, yeah, we're, we're so grateful that, you know, God picked you. He knew who you could pick to be transparent <laughs> and vulnerable, right? And you did. You, you, you shared all. The book is entitled Find Joy. Are you ready to find joy when life gets messy? And I really want to encourage listeners to pick up a copy of this because it's so practical. It's so inviting. It's so intriguing. And there are so many things you can relate to in your own pains yeah. and trials. And is it best carolsjourney.com? The book is available everywhere um, online. Um, it's available at Amazon. It's available online. Um, and I do have copies of it on my web, you know, that I can ship through my website. But uh, the ebook is available. I made the ebook very inexpensive on Amazon and it's in their Kindle Unlimited program. And you can pick up you. So if you have your Kindle Unlimited and you want to just pick it up, you can get it for free there. And the very back page, if you pick up the Kindle version of it, gives you a synopsis of, of chapter 12. If you email me, I'll, I've created chapter 12, which is the tw- tips and tools, which kind of recaps everything. So if you're panic and you want to go, where did I, where did I read that? You can go to the back and it lists the scriptures, it lists the songs, it lists everything in this chapter 12. And so I have that in a PDF that I will send to anyone who wants it from the ebook, because of excellent. course, if they don't have the cop card copy, they're not going to have that. So yeah, yeah excellent. Great. This Thank is you. so good. Yeah. Well, we have this in the show notes, of course, but again, it's not, it's not that challenging to just remember this title, find joy. Are you ready to find joy when life gets messy? And uh, I'm hopeful that Carol has already done this because if she doesn't, I'm tempted to. Those five or six uh, therapists you talked to in the beginning, I hope you sent them a copy of this book <laughs> so they can use it, did you? I did. You couldn't help me, but I figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Maybe you can help someone else. I said, I said, here's some things. I said very nicely, here's some things that I have learned. Yeah. Maybe it will help you when you come across. My Are you kidding? Crazy. They've got people all over the place putting that blue tape square. In yeah, exactly. They're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're they're, I, the I should have taken stock in blue tape. <laughs> that's <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. That's right. 
Well, Carol, we do. We appreciate you so much. And those of you listening, you can find out more also by just going to Carol's Journey and it's C-A-R-O-L-E. So carolsjourney.com. So bless you. God bless you and your husband. And thank you for being bold and sharing. Thank you. Thank you. All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hope to visit again. Yeah. Gosh, it was so great to have her on. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just one of those things that it's a tough subject, right? Yeah. But the reality is it's a subject that hits all of us, uh, you know, whether we're in a, we know somebody uh, or we've been through some of it ourselves. Yeah. You don't have to be in a high visibility role, like a pastor, a pastor's wife, but just for you in your own life. um, And these trials hit you. Yeah. And you want to call it to God and say, what's the deal? Yeah. I mean, I think I I thought I was showing you love and showing it and doing it all right. And boom, I get smacked with these trials. But for her to help us get a different perspective is so important for us to really understand that. And this might just sound too, too crazy and weird, but there's truth behind it, that a trial can literally be a gift yeah. that God is presenting to you, not because he wants you to be punished or experience pain, but because he knows what he can do in you, through you, and for you in the midst of that trial. That's right. And in chapter two, she gives a quote by Daniel Pink, and it's, it says, asking why can lead to understanding. Asking why not can lead to breakthrough. Yeah. And so that's where she got to is why not? Let's just go for it and let's share and let's help people. So we appreciate Carol and her husband being so bold. And if, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, was, oh. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, we really hope you will check out that book because it's pretty yes. phenomenal. Uh, and also want to just mention too, that if you're going through your own trial right now and yeah. you don't know where to go, um, and I, I hope you take this, you know, with the intention that's, that's meant, and that is that, that Wendy is available to help you women who are experiencing challenges in a variety of areas, but particularly in your health and wellness. If you're just struggling through some trials, uh, I want to encourage you to, to contact Wendy. But go to God first. Of, and absolutely. Then, and then <laughs> if he says no, me. then contact me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, and man, listen, yeah. you're, you're struggling in any area with your faith or your finances, your fitness or relationships, whatever it might be, I'd be happy to help you out. So yeah. contact Wendy at wendypet.com yeah. or Todd at toddisburner.com. So yeah, we'd love to help. Yeah. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of your biggest breakthrough. Make sure you share it with others. If it was a blessing to you, take care. Head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.